Welcome to the Untitled-themed Entertainment Design Show podcast, brought to you by the fine folks over at TETV. In this episode, your hosts Patrick and Andy chat with Lauren Barrows and Scott Harkless from Alcorn McBride. We hope you enjoy this peek behind the curtain at this historic company that is pivotal to our amusement enterprise industry. You're not Patrick Kling. I'm not. I have much shorter hair. You and you're half the man he is. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Andy? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? How was your weekend? Uh, unfortunately, productive. Oh, I hate those. Yeah. How was yours? <laughs> uh, fortunately, unproductive. No, I. You know, as I mentioned before, I mean, I'm going to do a little plug here. Uh, I was working on assembling the uh, coursework for my uh, introduction to sound and music for themed entertainment class that you can all sign up for on TEEDS, the Essential Art Department website. Very cool. That'll be awesome. <laughs> uh, starting on May 28th. All right. That's uh, that's coming up. Jeez, that's, that's only yeah. a few weeks away. 19 days, as the countdown on the website tells me. <laughs> Ooh, the suspense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have some exciting uh, theme park news today with uh, uh, out of Florida. Uh, yeah, you, all right. You... So this is this is only recently applicable to me now just because of the fact that I just got an annual pass. Right. That's why I wanted to have you on to talk about it. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's the only reason I'm here. That's the only reason. <laughs> Good to know. Because you're otherwise um, far too handsome to be on the show. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, so even just, uh, I mean, this was announced about, you know, two hours ago. So just looking at, see just kind of the quick rundown and I'm sure more details are going to be coming out about it. Um, you know, over the next weeks or months, I guess, rather, cause these are changes that are not going in effect until after January 9th of 24. So the highlights of it are basically like we got Disney dining plans are finally coming back, which I think after May 23rd. Uh, so this month, uh, those can start being added to vacation reservations. And then um, I guess the early, early magic hours uh, are going to be available like every day for all four parks. And that, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And if you stay at a, because I think it was like, you know, one or two and it just kind of rotated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for deluxe hotels, they'll also have like evening magic hours as well. Um, and then, oh, there's a thing that they're calling good to go days. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Well, I mean, um, already they've they've ruled out the you know you don't need a reservation after two p.m. That was the know. reason why I got a pass. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, you probably wouldn't see me at any of those parks before two p.m. You know, unless I was on vacation with like family or friends or something. Totally fair. Totally yeah. fair. Uh, and then also, I guess like if you have a date based ticket, so really, if you're anybody other than a cast member or an AP. Uh, you don't need to do a park reservation anymore. Again, starting twenty-four. You know, um, I saw. You know the um, the YouTube video maker uh, Defunct Land, uh, mm -hmm. Kevin per Kevin Perjurer. Yeah. What a, what a what a last name that is. I mean, I thought I had a weird last name, but Perjurer is like 
that's a, that's a doozy. Anyway, he had an interesting tweet that he brought up. He said, if he, he you know, there's a recession coming if Disney does discounts and brings back the dining plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he's, he's like oh no <laughs> uh very astute observation i'm sure <laughs> very astute anyway Jeez. well i, uh, I think that's thing, good though, the last thing though that's really interesting that actually could be really different because this is like all this stuff is pretty much just a return to form from before the pandemic but the other thing that's on this list is apparently somehow genie plus is going to be more simple to plan Mm. And you can like, and they can plan like the lightning lane, lightning lightning lane in advance apparently or something. Yeah, something like before the day of. It's not yeah. just a purchase, uh, you know, from you know that morning or whatever. Yeah. So, see what that means. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. You know, um, as as much as I you know loved my having an annual pass for the Disneyland Resort for thirty plus years. I think that with the current climate and the way that that people are experiencing the resort now, I think it would be a disaster to lift the reservation requirements for Anaheim, though, because the parks would just be overrun by people because yeah. there's just not as much to absorb like you have in Florida. Oh, that's totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair. But yeah, again, we'll see what the, what it all means. Any more yeah. announcements in the next few months? But it's nice to know this. You know, what I guess seven months ahead of time. Hmm. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's get on with the show. Thank you for joining me for the news and uh, get back to the basement and produce the show. <laughs> Banished to the wings I go. <laughs> All right, so let's bring on our guests from Alco McBride, Lauren Barrows, and Scott Harkless. Hi. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's truly my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk about you guys and... Alcor McBride and and the uh, storied and illustrious history of that company companies and uh, and all of that stuff. Like um, I love having you know you know big broad topics shows like this where you know you, you, your your experience and the company's presence in the industry is so broad. You know, basically every theme park in the world is running Alcor McBride hardware essentially, <laughs> or has at one point. So. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, our audience is very familiar with, with your hardware and software. So I'm excited to get into it and talk about the history and the capabilities and the future of what you guys are doing over there and not just in the Tiki bar, but like with the company too. <laughs> it's a hot spot. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I go to Florida, I want to, I definitely want to check it out. Absolutely. Come on in. Well, let's start uh, by introducing yourselves and then we can talk about Alcorn. Sure. Um, hello, I'm Lauren Barrows with Alcorn, obviously. I've been here for 14 years. Uh, I started as a marketing coordinator and over the years I'm um, grown into the COO. And this is my partner in crime, partner in crime. <laughs> Scott. Hey, it's Scott Harkless. Um, I'm going on my 21st year. Yeah. Wow. He started when so, he was four. I was. I was just a kid <laughs> when I started this place, just fresh out of college, uh, electronic engineer, and just found that I had a, a passion for working with the customers in the field and doing a lot of that stuff. And uh, that, that got me to pretty much leading our customer inter interaction in our product development direction. So, Yeah, his official title is Chief Innovation Officer. And that applies that. to our products and everything that has to do with our company, including this 
awesome tiki bar. There you go. It's it's nice to be an executive at a company where you're just like, you know what? The next project is our tiki bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. I mean, um, you know, let's talk a little bit. Let's start out talking about like the history of Alcorn McBride. You know, you know, I was going to, as I showed you, I mean, I, I I know the story. I have this excellent book, (laughs) Building a Better Mouse by Steve Alcorn and David Green. Excellent book. If you are, are a theme park history nerd like I am. Um, it's a, a really great inside look as to how some of these still operating attractions were developed from nothing, you know, from, you know, technologies that didn't exist that now, you know, we depend on, you know, day to day in our business. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. Um, basically the, the company was, was founded because there's a lot, a lot more to this story, but you know, for the sake of this show and brevity, um, yeah. Basically, Steve's involvement with uh, Epcot and the construction of Epcot. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming over here back in those days, uh, Disney did a lot themselves when it came to electronics design, control system design. And so Steve was part of you know those teams, mostly focusing on American Adventure. Um, there's a lot of custom control systems behind the way that works. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really what, what got our roots here. Um, and then before long... Steve tar- started to realize that, that there were certain things that they were engineering almost over and over again. Um, and that if only somebody came up with this kind of off the shelf product that, you know, they could just package it up and put 10 of them on a shelf in a box. And, you know, the next time a project came around, they'd be like, let's just use one of those things. Um, and so that was the, the birth of our, our B16 show control system. So at the time it was basically a, uh, a laser disc synchronization device. If anybody knows what laser discs are, <laughs> um, oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, it very quickly evolved into being kind of an industry standard show control system as we refer to it now. So, um, lots behind that. So, yeah. Thanks for queuing up. The oh yeah. Cool. There's the uh, the original bin loops when they were actually a bin that the loops would go into. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very apt term. So if anybody doesn't know what this is, this is Epcot Central. Um, way back in the day, this is these little things that look like washing machines or dishwashers are basically uh, analog tape players. Uh, they're playing mm-hmm. back audio tracks for the entire park. Um, massive, massive things. So we had nothing to do with those things. We did not create them. <laughs> However, we did eventually replace them with uh, their digital equivalents. So just a kind of a little cool historical thing. So you can actually, you actually used to be able to go down and see these in a tour in Epcot. I think I've got a picture of that in there, but. Yeah, we launched the digital bin loop, obviously off of that system. I don't think I've worked on a single project in a theme park that didn't have a bin loop or even the themed experience. I mean, I mean, I, I <laughs> what was funny is that I was the only person on site when we did the high roller in Las Vegas that actually knew how to operate with them. <laughs> like they inside when we opened up the floor and like, Oh, it's a bin loop. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I know this. I know what to do. I, yeah. That's like Jurassic park. I know this. It's a Unix system. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, just a great example of how we got our start. Um, we, because of you know Steve's connections and and how he directly worked for Disney, it really helped him to know the people involved and what they needed and the things that they needed to improve, replace, design, and so that was kind of our genesis: creating show control systems, creating these digital audio video playback platforms uh, that we could use as off-the-shelf products to run these kind of really weird things that we were doing in themed attractions. So, 
Yeah, and the 80s and early 90s were sort of the golden age of hardware in terms of technology. You know, now everything's software and cloud-based and everything, but like, you know, people don't realize that like, you know, modern society was built on exactly what we see on the screen right now is these, all these, you know, solid state electronics, yeah. you know, that uh, ran everything and yeah. often still do. They still do. They just got a lot smaller now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wow. like, you know, all of the processing power of all of the, you know, uh, hardware that was installed in theme parks in, you know, 1980 to 1990 is probably, you know, fits on my phone right now, you know? Yep, exactly. How Amazing. Changed, how technology changes, yeah. What is that picture? That Back up one picture. I, I couldn't figure out what that last one was at the uh, earthquake. Where is that? You got any guesses, Andy? Is that the, is that the valve for the water? You got it, man. That is it. That, that is was the, my guess. That is the ginormous valve that used to open up and just dump water on you. Okay. <laughs> on earthquake. With the lights directly, the light and the audio <laughs> du uh, directly above it. No big yep. deal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the early days of the company, we used to do a lot of um, uh, consulting and things like that. We, did, we started building up the product portfolio, but we still did a lot of custom installation and, and uh, consulting. So that's how we got involved in a lot of these things. Mm. So. Well, so as as the company grew, was the the goal uh, to provide the hardware and software together, or or to, how did that how did that sort of evolve? Where you know you had the hardware that you know ran basic software just enough to get it to work, but like you know as as you know computing power improved and you were able to you know move things into software realm, how how did how did you make that leap? Or was there um, one product that sort of led that way? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the industry is really uh, unique as, as far as its requirements for things like precise synchronization and like mm -hmm. kind of like cutting edge quality. And so the hardware, the hardware basically is necessary to achieve some of those things um, mm -hmm. because you, you can't just run everything, especially that top notch, like quality stuff off of a software program on a computer. It, it just won't work. Um, so there's that hardware development aspect um, to bring those capabilities and those advanced features but also the reliability that we need for this industry um, because the way we design stuff, it's almost like your toaster or your microwave. It's, it's an embedded platform running firmware that is designed for one very specific purpose and it does that purpose very well. Um, so there's kind of that aspect to it too. And obviously we do a lot of software development. Everything that's running on these things is some form of software or firmware as we would call it, but we also have to present people a nice slick front end that they can use to actually develop and program these things. So it's definitely a, a happy merger of both of those things working together. So, well, then you know, once once you get to that point, and what are the the typical issues that where that you face when you're implementing a brand new system into the, uh, the Aquan system? Typical issues. Hmm. You don't have any issues. No, everything goes perfectly <laughs> well. The, Everything's perfect. Great. Rev, Rev A works perfectly every time. <laughs> no, typical issues. Um, you know, a lot of times we're designing things that have never been made before. Um, yeah. So there's no Google this to see how do I build one of these. It yeah. doesn't exist. There's a YouTube video for everything. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a YouTube video for how to do some of the stuff we do. So, yeah, it's that it's that learning curve. Uh, we're doing, you know, early on in our product development, we're doing a lot of proof of concept. Um, you know, taking five circuit boards or development kits, putting them together to make them do the thing that we need our customers uh, to develop for our customers. Uh, we get it working. Then we pack it onto a circuit board, 
and maybe that first circuit board needs about 20 wires soldered to it before it actually works. But that's how these things go. That's Um, the fun part. (laughs) Yeah, this is our process. Um, So yeah, it's just, just that. And then, then there's the, you know, the customer side of it. We have to make sure that, you know, we spend all this time. It's expensive to develop hardware like this. Uh, We're a small company. Um, So we have to make sure that when we build something, people are actually going to buy it. So, so there's that, that kind of challenge in, in, Trying to keep things not like top secret, we're not that kind of company, but keep things a little bit on the down low while also communicating with our core customers to make sure that we're building something that they want, giving them an opportunity to provide uh, direction and feedback as we're developing it so that you know when we actually get to launch the thing, it's not a dud right out of the gate. It's actually something that they want and that you know they're excited about. That's always Because they, they've helped design it. Too. Exactly. They helped design it. Maybe there's some Easter eggs in there for them. You don't know. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, that dovetails perfectly into my next question is like, what are the levels of support that you offer to your end users, you know, of the products? Well, that's, that's something that's very important to all of us here. Um, I think a popular national food chain kind of adopted our mentality of, uh, once you're here, your family, which means, (laughs) you know, once you have an Alcorn product, we're here to support you however we can. Uh, we don't charge for support. You know, we have our, our pretty much our entire team has an engineering background. There's very few people who don't. Um, and we've always had this very flat philosophy of you have trouble with anything that that you have for an Alcorn product, or even if it's, you know, something that we're interfacing with that we have the knowledge and that we can help you just just call us, email us, Facebook us. We're happy to help. Uh, we also have training that we do here, um, whatever we can do to make your job easier in the field. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Let's sure, talk about sure the, can, yeah. this. I'm the, sure you can relate to this, Andy, but you know, it's a small industry when it comes to people, yeah. you cannot afford to tell somebody, sorry about your luck. Sorry. That thing's right. not working for you. Um, maybe next time. No, right. we, we, we dro- have to drop everything to help people. And it's yeah. just what you got to do. The stuff we're working on is super high profile. You can't afford to like, you know, mess people around with paperwork and stuff like that. You drop everything. You send them a replacement if they need it. You deal with the other stuff on the back end. So that's absolutely, that's yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, and people don't realize too that you know there's a lot at stake with these projects. You know, they're you know multi multi million dollar, sometimes multi hundreds of millions of dollar projects. Yep. And you know, stuff has to work, and it's got to work the first time. And if it doesn't work the first time, it better work the second time. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about the, the next ten years too. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the part that or people longer. Yeah. Or longer. I mean, like I did uh, the Men in Black ride twenty three years ago, and like it's all still the same stuff, still playing on the same equipment. Yep, and yep. probably the same speakers too, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, tell me about the you know talking about the customer uh, service, service and integration uh, interface and all that. What tell me about the uh, the integration lab that you guys run? The Attractions Technology Lab. Is that what you yeah. mean? Okay, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, that we um, we started this. It probably came about during COVID time. It's something that we had been talking about for a while. Um, we're used to uh, most of our clients and audience are used to the traditional trade show, where you know Alcorn has a booth and Christie has a booth and Oceaneering has a booth, and you know everybody talks about what what they have. So we have our black boxes, um, but in you know in reality, our black boxes don't work unless they're connected to a Christie or are actually in an attraction. And we would frequently get asked if that we could do, so we do training here for our, our, 
our gear, but we would frequently get asked if we could do joint trainings where we bring in maybe Wagle or Christy and do trainings. And then we came, um, Scott had had the idea, we kind of brainstormed a little bit more to develop the attraction technology lab where we take all of the gear and we actually build an attraction. So we do an application that's basically exactly what, or as close to as possible, um, the technology aspect, not the creative. Um, we don't of, have the budget for the creative. We don't have the budget for it, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from a technology standpoint, we, we rebuild a, a dark ride, for example, um, actually as our clients would. And it's, it's a kind of a fun thing because it's all the manufacturers getting together. And we actually experience a lot of the joys and pains that our clients <laughs> do when we're actually building the attraction. Um, Scott, I thought we almost lost him last year because he spent probably, I don't know, multiple 48-hour days <laughs> um, on site. And, and we know that those, that's what our clients go through, but it allows all of our collective companies to make our products better together. So uh, we started our first lab. I think it was uh, the first one was October 2021. Yep. Um, and then we've we've grown a lot since. We did one in California, um, and our largest one was back in November. We had over 600 people attend. Um, we're getting ready to do a reboot of the Dark Ride Lab uh, that we did in November uh, during Infocom Week, uh, June 14th, 15th, 16th. Um, and then our big show that will actually expand and redo and have more labs will be back at Oceaneering in November uh, during IAPA week. And we also have a lot of training um, and it's a, it's a really unique, unique hands-on technical experience. Yeah. I really want to make it out there next time you guys do that. It looks really cool. Thanks. It is. Cool. I think we have a video package that uh, you guys put together. Let's roll that. Sure. Thanks. Awesome. That's, our, that's our headquarters and we're back in the tiki room tiki i can't bar. wait to, i can't wait to visit the tiki bar next time i'm up it looks really cool of course the scene outside the windows are animated i'm sure <laughs> what are you talking about it's real yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're actually in nassau magic of video <laughs> it looks well, like really central cool. florida doesn't it <laughs> sure um so tell me about the the two-day class that you guys run so, yeah it's um all right i've been looking for excuse to re to use this it's something oh, we, we like to talk about <laughs> let's talk about it so talk about it scott okay lauren <laughs> um yeah it's we found that that probably the best way for people to kind of get hooked and excited about our gear is to just use it and so um a long time ago a couple decades ago yeah. from the sounds of it or from yeah uh, we started doing these training classes and it was 
basically just familiarizing people with our show control environment, our ecosystem of products and showing how to put plug the Lego pieces together to actually build attractions. And it has just been immensely popular. Um, so we used to do it in hotel banquet rooms, uh, Orlando, Las Vegas. We kind of got notorious for doing it in Magianos here. Everybody was looking forward to the food. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but uh, ever since we moved into this facility a few years ago, we actually built a dedicated lab. That's what you could see in the training in the uh, little clip there. Um, we hold, we have 19 seats. We do probably six. We would, we would do about four a year here in Orlando and then two yeah. out in LA Burbank area. Yep. Yep. So bring people in, we feed them. It's free. Um, feed them. And then, yeah, they go home after two days excited about actually knowing what our stuff does and even capable of, of using it to do those things. So knowing what it's like to build an attraction with onboard audio and uh, uncompressed video playback and all that good stuff. And I also think it's important to know, you know, on the whole aspect of our company culture, our number one priority is always to take care of our people. And that the first, the first line there is our, is our team. Um, and of course our customers are very important to us. So along the lines of support, we don't charge for the training. And when you're here, you're family. So we, we try and go out of our way to make it very um, entertaining and, and fun for our guests. We do bring Magianos in. Um, we do a full lunch. We have plenty of snacks. We do breakfast. Um, and we also offer two, yeah, two too days. many. No, I was going to say too many snacks. Too many snacks. Too you many, can never have too, too many, many snacks. snacks. Never too many snacks. And then we also offer a happy hour um, for those who want to come and hang out in our tiki bar afterwards. And, and you get some free swag if you come. Oh, to wow. You have These to, are our Alcorn McBride tiki mugs. You have to sing karaoke, though. It's a requirement <laughs> for the tiki. That's fine. I'll give you a mug if you don't sing karaoke. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly fine singing karaoke. I have my go-to songs. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Uh, Trevor tells me we have some ATL clips. We can run those. Yeah. Right now, you're cruising along an Oceaneering Revolution ride vehicle. This is a state-of-the-art traffic system. You guys were running that at IAPA last year, right? It was, yeah, it was during IAPA, but it was at Oceaneering's facility, which right. is awesome because it gave us access to these actual trackless vehicle systems that they had set up over there. Uh, they're yeah. typically used to using it just to, you know, run it around on a concrete floor. And we actually added environment. We added audio Show visual. Elements. Yeah. So it was well, we, very, we, very should cool. we should talk about getting you some custom music for this year. If you do it again. Oh, all right. Let's do it. See, we have an interested party. Interested <laughs> yeah, partner. Of, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, uh, would love to help out with that. It looks really cool. I missed the last shuttle for that uh, at IAPA. I really wanted to do that, but I missed I missed out. I re feel really bummed out that I missed them. But um, well, we'll show you uh, how to use the latest, greatest bin loop, Andy. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> That's awesome. So who, who, who would you say the audience is for ATL and your training classes? Like, you know, I mean, obviously you know, pretty much anybody who's interested in this can do it, but like, what's, 
what's what are the cost benefit ratios for you like who's who's who do you want there yeah um training class we have a huge uh variety of people some of them are you know kind of creative creative director types some of them are project managers or the engineers that are actually managing the technical aspects of ride construction whether it's control systems or uh audiovisual that kind of thing or animatronics or special effects so we get those, we get programmers, uh, we get our integration partners come into those classes, uh, the people who actually buy our gear and wire them up into equipment racks and all that stuff and install them. Uh, we get students who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and want to know how the industry works. Uh, so we get the whole spectrum for it. And, and technical users uh, for the theme parks themselves, we get a, lot, we get a large number of those, um, the technical support teams and that type of audience. And then as far as the Attractions Technology Lab, it's pretty much the same audience. Um, the reason, again, why we're doing this is to um, help educate and show kind of a full ecosystem. Because a lot of the times our, our clients and they don't get to see everything come together until they're actually on the job site trying to put an attraction together. And, you know, it's a lot of stress and under pressure. So we're trying to recreate an environment where they can come and see all of the aspects of the technology working together without the stress of it being their attraction that they're trying to open. So we're hoping that when they see the dark ride and you, you probably saw the, the racks, we have all of the racks of each system broken down. So people can come in and kind of ask questions about problems that they may have encountered or ways that they can make their um, programs better, smoother, faster. And we have all of the engineers on site from all the manufacturers that can help answer those questions in a non-stressful, hey, this isn't working, we need to open tomorrow um, <laughs> environment. Yeah, it's the, the, way we, the way we do the attraction technology labs is we try to stay authentic to how we actually build the real attractions. And like Lauren was saying, the, the part that stinks about it is if, unless you uh, sign 5,000 NDAs or, and are somehow wrapped up in this multi-year project where we're building these attractions for real, you never get to see it. Right. Um, so that's what's different about this is we do it authentically the way we do it in the real world, uh, all in one place. You can come see it. No need to sign an NDA. Um, and in fact, we have, like she said, we have the reps from each company on site available to answer questions and show you under the hood. You want to see what the show control programs looks like? Here it is. You want to see what the DSP programming looks like? Here it is. Like it's all right out there for you to see. Yeah, you can literally stand in front of the equipment racks while the attraction is running and watch the show unfold right in front of you. I'll get a little nervous though if you start poking buttons because you could <laughs> actually break it. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite things too in the EERs of, of attractions, you know, watching, you know, all of the uh, the LEDs blinking and, and you know, all the, you know, all the cues being, you know, set off and everything like that. And, you know, it's it's really cool. It's, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful ballet. It's, it's one of the coolest unseen things in this industry. So yeah, we're just trying sure. to make it a little bit more seen. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really cool. So like, what, what would you say, what, what, what would be the most important thing to impart to creative people um, to learn about uh, Alcoa McBride, you know, in terms of like the, you know, like show control. In terms of show control or just Alcoa McBride in general is, is, um, especially if you're coming from the creative side, your job is to create this awesome experience, right? You don't, you don't want to think about all the nitty gritty tools required to do that. And so I guess what I would ask of anybody in, in that world is, 
is to uh, just try to understand um, that we're basically trying to build that perfect ecosystem so that you can layer on that creative stuff and focus on creative intent and, you know, think about us as these little Lego blocks where you can just build on those things as you need them. So, and it doesn't matter whether you're technical or creative ATL and our training classes are a perfect way, or just our office coming to visit our office are a perfect way for you to kind of familiarize yourself with that. Um, you don't need to actually build the attraction, just understand what those capabilities are, what those tools are. So that's what I would say. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's always nice to to be able to understand what you're getting into, you know, before you get into it for sure, you know, and you know, we talked about integration, I, like my experience with integration and and like going on site and mixing and all that kind of stuff is like, you know, creatively it's it's just going to be an endless series of painful compromises until you open the attraction. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you don't want the hardware to be part of that problem. <laughs> right, right. should be part of the solution. solution. Yeah, exactly. One of, one of the things, yeah, one of the things I feel like we we really strive to do is uh, we're very relationship-based as a company. Mm -hmm. we, we enjoy going out, meeting with people, customers, talking to them, understanding what challenges they face, what they're being asked to do, and that kind of stuff. And the reason why is because we got some pretty smart people in this building present company excluded. Um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, and, you know, once we fully understand what the thing is that people are trying to solve, what they're trying to do, we're really good at finding a way to do it. Um, so just a matter of getting to that point. So yeah, it kind of goes full circle with how Steve started the, the company and envisioned the longevity of the company. We, we are a small company. We hire super talented people, present company excluded. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I had to put that in there. You know, um, that includes both of us. <laughs> the, the, good, the drinks are working. <laughs> um, but we, we're here, you know, Scott also mentioned that the, be the beginning of our company uh, as a consultant type. And even though we're a hardware company um, and we sell show controllers and fin loops and audio video players, we really are here for support and that that cons consultation consultative loop um, is what we what we love to do. Um, we're in a very niche industry and having the relationships with our clients, we want them to be able to say, hey, we're trying to do this for this attraction and and let our engineering team help figure out how to make that happen. And, you know, that that's what we're here for beyond just, you know, making these black boxes. We really like to help make a technology way to make ideas come to life. Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the biggest unknown things in the industry for people, for lay people or civilians, as I call them, <laughs> people who aren't in the industry, like fans and also, you know, people, you know, emerging professionals, people trying to think, they're thinking about maybe, oh, maybe I want to get into this themed entertainment business is that, you know, it's not just like Walt Disney Imagineering making everything you know, for their attractions and their shows. It's like, it's literally hundreds of companies like you that are actually developing the hardware and the software and the technology to make those things possible. And, um, you know, I think that that's one of the fun things about doing this show is educating people about that aspect yeah. of the industry is yeah. in particular. Yeah. Yeah. We like to, one of the things we like to do is, is do outreach to, uh, theme park clubs at colleges and stuff. That's one of the first things oh, we really? say to them is, that's cool. Hey, yeah. You want to, you want to work for Disney universal, whatever. Great. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, there's like 500 other companies that they actually right. really depend on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. like those aren't your only options guys. So. Right. And generally you're not going to get hired straight into WDI or universal creative. You're going to have to have worked at one of those companies before. It's sort of like the, the farm leagues in a way, sort of, 
you know, for, for getting, getting into, you know, becoming a senior executive, creative VP of a portfolio manager or whatever, Imagineering. Yeah. Well, so tell me the story about the tiki bar. I mean, I have a tiki bar. You have a tiki bar. Your tiki bar looks like it's a lot more high tech than my tiki bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a, a pretty fun story. When we um, we used to have two separate offices, so we had kind of the the engineering and operations office about a mile down the road, and then our warehouse and assembly and test was over by the airport. And for years, we had been looking for an opportunity where we can we can merge the two offices into one so we could all work together. Um, and then this building that we're in came to market and it's literally about a mile away from where our um, operation engineering office was. And it was, uh, it was re repossessed by the government. Um, so when we came in and walked through the building, it was literally an empty shell with things ripped out of the ceiling and ripped out of the, <laughs> off the floor. And it was just, it was kind of a mess. And we walked into this room, which looked like it might have been a lobby or um, maybe a large conference room. And we were kind of walking around with Steve Alcorn and Justin Ruka. He's one of our lead sales engineers. He said to Steve, you know what, this, this should be a tiki bar. And Steve went, yes, it should. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've, we've added a lot to it and it's just become a home for us. And um, we love to entertain clients and we have a lot of um, fun in here ourselves. Uh, so it's just, it's a great way to show off our products. That's the main reason why we have the Tiki Bar. Sure. It's, we have a ride player and we have a fully themed show. We push buttons and, you know, everything runs off a ride player, a bin loop and a V16. Fantastic. So yes, it's just a demo room. We certainly do not yes. use anything else. It's just a demo room. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see it. I'll, I'll be out, uh, <laughs> be out at IAPA this year. Um, so wrapping up, what, uh, let's talk about the future of Alcor McBride and the companies. Like what, what do you see as the, what's next? What's the next steps? What's next? Well, if you can talk about it. Uh, sure. I, I can talk about it in general. Can we use terms. that again? Talk about <laughs> it. Um, I, I would just say that, that, um, internally, we as a company, we are always, despite what people see on the outside as far as products that we're releasing, we're always internally working on our own ecosystem of tools so that we can be nimble and adapt to basically what are our clients' needs. So the truth is, I can't tell you what's next because it depends on people outside of this building and what kinds of attractions they want to build and what kind of crazy things they want them to do. Sure. Um, but the nice thing is they're talking to us about these things and as long as we have this kind of arsenal of engineers and, and cool tools that they're developing, we can be nimble and react to those needs by the time the attraction actually gets built. So that's that's what's next for us is just being ready for it, whatever's coming down the pipe. So and it's always exciting because you know, you know, all these you know fantastically talented people are coming up with all these crazy new ideas for your fantastically talented people to come up with solutions to implement them. Yeah. And, and we're certainly growing. So if uh, anybody out there who is looking for a very cool place to work as an engineer, reach out to one of us. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's been, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out to, uh, to chat with us about uh, what you guys have been doing and what you guys, uh, you know, your awesome Tiki bar and everything like that. I mean, which I can't wait to visit. And, and again, we have to talk about some getting some uh, custom music for you guys. 
Yes. That'd Sounds be great. good. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank you.